Oh, hello. Welcome, everyone. This is 372 pages we'll never get back. I'm Michael J. Nelson. And of course, Connor, you're here, aren't you? I, I'm here, Mike. Well, what's happening? Well, I'm currently I'm eating um, one of those square green oranges that they produce <laughs> up at the Fresno Sector Biotech Farms. I'm assuming you're snacking on one as well. Yeah, I pick them up from Costco. I, <laughs> you were... There was a split second where I was like, is he going to talk about what he's actually doing or is this going to be a bit? But it's, yep. Yeah, wow. no, it's square green oranges, everyone. That's because your doctor asked you to eat breakfasts that only uh, gleam with insight about the future, right? That is correct. This is, of course, the podcast where we read through a book that we're probably going to hate. We have, uh, of course, conquered the works <laughs> of Ernest Klein and Jim Tice. And we are currently on the uh, the Goulart Shatner mashup Tech War. Yeah, I was uh, I was doing a show at the at the Vermont Comedy Club, uh, like a Christmas show, and I was there for the first like sort of kickoff meeting last night, and just sat down. and My friend Nathan, who owns the club, was just like, "Oh man, it's been a been a couple weeks. Like, what have you been up to?" And I sort of had this journey in my mind, you know, that in my mind took place like over the course of many minutes. But it's like, do I say I've been reading a lot of Tech War? Because like, you know, like this guy knows what I do and, you know, knows that we're, we do this kind of nonsense, but like, I don't even want to talk about it with someone who's not fully versed in the process of why we're doing this and like what tech war is. And, you know, we've read other bad books, but is it like, that nah. bad that you won't even explain it to a guy who understands it? I, you know, if it's, you know, if it's your grandfather or something. Well, sure. Yeah, right. What no, have you been up just... to young man? Well, <laughs> of it. course I'm reading tech war. <laughs> He stops polishing his Medal of Honor and says, get out of my house. But no, no it, it was more of just like, a, do we need, I don't want to get into the, the specifics. Like, you know, then you have, then the next thing I know I'm explaining, oh yeah, like he calls things plaz and just st sticks another word on the end of it. And then he's like, to be confusing. And, you know, then it's like, oh yeah. And, and he ghost rid it with a guy who wrote Groucho Marx. Yeah. He's at that novels. point, he's narrowing his eyes and just <laughs> sh lightly shaking his head. Like, what, why are you, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> right in too deep but then the kicker is uh about an hour after that decision not to talk about tech war i showed the entire room uh the ice cream bundle bunny's arrival scene uh, <laughs> so back back to firm back to terra firma ah <laughs> something we can all appreciate grounding yes they were uh they they enjoyed that quite a bit and they they picked up on it they're like so this is the this is the first time you see him <laughs> an hour into the movie and, and ice cream. Why ice cream? It's like, all right, good. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm glad that one landed. That was a bold move on your part. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was a bit easier to explain even than why I'm reading Tech War. Right. Uh, well, let's bring everyone up to speed. I'm assuming everyone <laughs> is reading every single word, but we're up to chapter... We start at chapter eight. We read through uh, seven Ch chapters, right? Uh, we read through, yeah, the ch seven chapters the first time, and yeah. this time we we're going to go uh, uh, through uh, chapter, chapter 11. 11. Yeah, so yeah. we left off with the introduction of Gomez, and uh, yeah, I mean, for, I'm going to spoil this, not a lot happened in these in these four chapters we read this time. Um, it was a lot of people sitting around talking to each other about people that weren't there. That tradition continues, yeah, in this. <laughs> yeah, that, um, that was the unifying theme of these of these chapters. But just to a quick uh, uh, summation of the early chapters, uh, a robot goes and escorts our hero, Jake Cardigan, who's an ex-cop who got busted for 
some sort of illegal tech thing. Tech is some sort of, you know, it's like a smuggling tech, dealing tech chip. That's a drug kind of. And uh, (laughs) he was in a state of suspended animation up in a prison and he gets uh, brought back home. His wife has left him. His child has left him. And he's uh, his partner comes and sort of wakes him out of his drug stage. And that's where we are right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. We, uh, you know, that that robot you mentioned, uh, who everyone assumed was going to be a major character, doesn't hasn't shown up again. I was uh, shocked so, by that. Proving to be a curious, curious decision. We'll see if that uh, if that pans out. Winger was sorely missed this time around. But yeah, let's get to it. Um, it, it really starts with a bang. Uh, <laughs> some real some real action, which is as he sat on the living room sofa, Jake asked, how'd you get in? And, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's not really setting the stage with a, uh, you know, he's not he's not doing the dishes. He's not like lighting a cigarette. He just he's just sitting yeah. on the living room sofa. But but what a great introduction to this character who we will. I'm sure you have many notes on. His name is Sid <laughs> Gomez. So he's doing his drugs and then he's sort of snapped out of it by the voice of his ex partner or, you know, <laughs> soon to be current partner. But Sid Gomez settled into an armchair. We used to be partners, remember? And I just love this thing that uh, <laughs> it was like if you if you know reminding people of their relationship to him doesn't seem necessary. It's like if I showed up in your kitchen and I was eating cereal naked and you came in, you're like, "What the hell are you doing?" It's like, "Hey, we used to do a podcast together, remember?" <laughs> yeah, the point isn't who you are. It's like, what are you? How did you get in? What are you doing here? What is right. going then- on? But that is in response to him saying, like, how did you get in? And the answer to that is, you let me, I used to do this all the time. Like, I'm in the system. It's like, the answer is, you gave me a key. And in the fiction of the book, uh, Jake, you know, essentially, no time has passed in his mind. So there, you know, there'd be no reason for him not to remember. Of course, you know, Gomez comes in here all the time. His hand is in the system. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But But he's puzzled uh, by it. Yeah. Yes, he's very confused. And then... um, you know, there's there's sort of two defining characteristics of Gomez. One is that he does the sort of thing where he drops a line of italicized uh, Spanish into the dialogue. Yeah, I, um, I, mean, I hope we can puzzle out what his culture, what his ethnicity might be. I don't know. It was very tough to get through this. Well, uh, a reader, a reader named Brian wrote in and said, I'm now reading all of Gomez's dialogue with a proper British accent because his, <laughs> his use of whilst blooming and old boy have convinced me that this must be how he speaks, which makes the awkwardly shoot in italicized Spanish words all that much more delightful. And the italicized Spanish words are things that are pretty much English at this point. I mean, right. there's it's nothing where like, you have to go, you know, when you're reading a book from the twenties or something, and there's a lot of, they used to, you know, French was in a lot of books. You're like, I don't know what this phrase means. I better look this up. It's italicized. No, this is it's amigo and yeah. <laughs> bueno and so you know agua. Yeah, it's stuff that you would learn uh, from Maria and Luis on Sesame Street. Like it's that level of basic. Yeah, I did not get the italicization <laughs> of that. I think it's like um, this happened one time uh, when we went to see the movie Gravity, and uh, a, a girl, Southern California girl, came in, a, a white girl, um, and she was like, "Okay, so uh, it was at one of those theaters that's like an arc light, so it's fancy, so they give a little speech beforehand." Oh yeah, yeah, I love those. She was, she was just like, uh, you know, I probably have told this story on the podcast before, but uh, she was like, "Okay, uh, so thank you for coming to the arc light." 
the, the feature you're going to see uh, today stars Sandra Bullock. It's directed, directed by uh, Alfonso Cuaron. And uh, <laughs> so I hope you can get your popcorn. we got five more minutes. It's like, all right, maybe that's how these work in, uh, in, in Gomez's speech. He just lapses into that thick, uh, uh, authentic pronunciation for those one words. Well, hello, amigo. um i noticed right off the bat we made much of this in the last and we probably taxed the audience a bit with the (laughs) the pauses that happen yeah (laughs) it's a uh, a rule against doing any dead air but we had plenty of it in the last episode uh after watching his friend for a few seconds gomez replied i was instrumental in getting you out yeah you know that's a few seconds that's still like what (laughs) Why? Why the pauses? I don't right. understand. It's sort of him looking him up and down, if it's, as if it was a dumb question that he's like offended by. But yeah. I mean, without a specific interval of time, it really just sort of took me out of the moment. I would like you and everyone out there to, you know, a loved one in your life when they say something to you, just watch them for a few seconds before replying and see how that goes <laughs> over in their lives. It's like the, uh, you know, the <laughs> when you ask the IT guy a, a question about like, hey, is this, could this could could it could my not printing be related to um, like when I when I X'd out of a solitaire game without saving my progress and they just sort of stare at you for seven seconds before they're like, no, that wouldn't cause it. Move aside and let me fix this. Right, a light sigh. There, there's a guy in my life. <laughs> no one will figure this out, for, so I'm not giving anything away. He, um, he's one of those people. He will. He has sort of a, a mild look of amusement on his face at all times. But when I talk to him after I'm finished speaking, you know the usual. Oh, uh huh. Mm-hmm. I'm tracking you. That that lets you know that you're talking to a human. <laughs> Completely missing from him. And then after I'm done speaking, a full two seconds of silence, which causes me. <laughs> <laughs> to continue to just go on rambling like a moron <laughs> until I get some reaction. And it is the most disconcerting thing. Have and I met just, this person? Uh, you have not, I don't think. I <laughs> once famously had had a lunch with him. And uh, because I was so nervous, I had ordered a giant beer. And, and just as the waiter set it down, I did a gesticulation with my hand that sent every single atom of that beer into his lap. <laughs> Which caused the most <laughs> embarrassing moments of my life as he gave the sort of same reaction, like a mild amusement in his face. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he just <laughs> shook his head in silence. So, <laughs> so anyway, I know what these things are like. So, oh, yeah, they're yeah. very uncomfortable. But then the other thing about Gomez, other than his non specific intervals of time where he stares at you, is one of the most baffling characteristics in a character I've ever encountered. And it's the fact that he's pretty much about his constantly moving, bouncing, curly hair. Yeah, this, I, I my mind's eye is a blank on this one. Can you, why don't you go into I, it and I've, try I've, to I've gathered, I've gathered all the passages so far. Um, okay. And so it's, uh, Gomez was about 10 years younger than Jake, and his tight, curling black hair seemed to have a life of its own jiggling now as he gave a disappointed shake of his head then later on uh we have gomez nodded his hair swaying some we had several who thought they did gomez shook his hair and his hair seemed to bounce uh you've got the uh Kleine and sort of unreliable narrator there uh and then you have buenos dias said gomez whose curly hair was looking especially lively this morning what? so in my head i had have you ever been to a uh 
like a, a Japanese restaurant, they serve those bonito flakes on your on your dish. They're usually sort of like a garnishy kind of thing. And the yeah, they they have a little toss- box that they shave them off with. Yeah, they're little yeah, curls of dried. Heat fish. causes them to just move like uh, old, you know, like like sort of alive. Uh, it's very disconcerting if you don't know what you're looking at. So I, I imagine that where it's sort of like a. Uh, you know, his hair is constantly doing that. It's like a weird hallucination. Yeah, yeah. The bonita flakes, because they're they're dried fish, so when they're sitting on top of an item that has steam, they kind of move, you know, they, they <laughs> absorb, and so they move around. So, yeah, his hair has, it's a life of its own. It's not his head moving, right? His hair is moving. It's unlike anything that has ever happened or anyone has ever seen. So I don't know what we're supposed to be taking away from this. <laughs> Why and again even... do you add details like that? No <laughs> one has any idea what you're talking right. about. If this was some sort of stereotype that was offensive, it'd be much easier and better to relate to than uh, than what he's giving us now. Does, do you think he has plaz hair, maybe? <laughs> and, and it's just some futuristic hair that apparently he... people like to have it uh, move yeah, around? Yeah, I just switched to a brand new plaz conditioner, so it's got a lot more uh, plaz body and plaz bounce. Yeah, it's uh, actually it's got uh, active plaz, actoplaz <laughs> in it, so it's uh, always moving. Uh, but yeah, so Gomez is that's that's his basic thing. Um, we, we've got a good uh, we got a scene coming up with uh, where Jake says funny as in odd. Jake halted, shrugged. Yeah, both both shoulders, one. Well, yeah, we don't know anymore because it is oh. half and half in this book. Well, no, <laughs> it's it's more one shoulder shrugs than there is two for for my count. We do. We have a we have a one shoulder shrug coming up. Uh, but yeah, Gomez sort of like runs through his, uh, uh, you know, like we said, a bunch of off screen characters, um, including uh, Jessup, who is a, a a detective who. Gomez believed had some information that could clear Jake of the tech smuggling charges. Yeah. And that leads to, I have about the sentence you just read. I want to just back up a little bit because this amused me. So Jessup is dead and Jake says, that's funny. And Sid says, share the humor of it with me, amigo. (laughs) And Jake says, funny as in odd. It's like, yeah, I know that you asked. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> no, no, it wasn't actually hilarious. I mean, that was... <laughs> he actually stops to say, like, no, I know you understood the archness of my comment. Share the humor. Of... I didn't think that it was funny. Right. And these are both supposedly hard boiled cops that like, you know, one of them shows up at the scene. What do we got here? Well, a guy took a dive off of the thing and he's flatter than a, you know, uh, McDonald's hamburger, you're pressing down on the grit, like that sort of dialogue where they're all just jaded about beyond belief about people dying. So all, for some reason, this is the the objection he has to him yeah. making the same sort of line about a former guy. Well, but like it would, Jessup, it would be more like he says, uh, you know, he took a dive off the pier and ended up splattered on the. He took a dive, like a uh, what kind of dive? Did he put both hands up and like I didn't mean that he actually took a dive. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess Jessup was a was a. Uh, Whatever the lad knew, he took to the grave with him, or rather the urn, since his wife had a microwave cremated. Um, hey, dumb sentence of the week burned. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> no, I, I got plenty of them. A lot of people uh, pointed that one out, and another <laughs> people pointed out that that was a, another gleaming uh, futuristic insight, like that that's how you now cremate people. But so I, the, I was very puzzled. I had to read back a couple times because Jessup was a cop who could prove that uh, – Jake had been set up, but he wanted money to talk. 
Um, but that's usually something that like an informant is going to is going to demand, like not something that a fellow cop is going to is going to is going to ask of you. Like it's usually the sort of things like, no, man, I'm not talking like, you know, I, they, they put me in cement shoes if I talk like you got to you got to make it worth my while. It's not something like you're in the break room grabbing a donut and the other other cop is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Jake's innocent. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll go down to I'll go down to the captain's office. I'll totally clear that up. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I didn't get the Jessup thing either. And especially when they called him our they were he's a partner with them. So they were like the three stooges for a while, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, they're, they're, but the way that Jacob Jessup got killed, um, it was the first of many passages in this in this chapter. And I, I these, there were more of these in the excuse me, the first chapter, uh, first section. But there's all these passages that read like the author's first language might not be English. Like yeah, yeah. Weird, bad conjugations or sentence structure. Uh, and so the first of these was, uh, it does seem a might extravagant way of getting rid of the gent, killing four <laughs> other, well, that wasn't it, killing four others and a dog worth more than the whole lot of them just to cover the shutting up of Jessup. Wow. Diagram yeah. that sentence. <laughs> My God. He wanted to cover the shutting up of Jessup. Not, I mean, so that was, you know, keep that in mind as we go, that I don't think that you know, Ron Goulart, he may have been like, you know, doing a uh, Rosetta Stone as he was uh, as he was you know, writing this book, sort of piecing together. It's like what I imagine a Spanish teacher reads your your students essays and is like, oh, my God, like <laughs> that is not how the language is supposed to sound. There's one, I think, right around that same area. And uh, I don't I can't remember the full context, but I have the note here. Sid, do not speak well. Uh, he <laughs> says, I don't have quite sufficient of either, but Bascom and Cosmos outfit do. But Bascom wow. and the Cosmos don't have sufficient what of either. <laughs> I don't qu have quite sufficient of either. So, yeah, again, you're just like, uh, yeah, you're getting close there, buddy. It's, it's <laughs> right. It's the uncanny valley of uh, sentence structure. Yeah. Um, so he's uh, this is another another thing that a lot of people wrote in to talk about. But Jake uh, is asking Gomez, like, what's your deal? He says, I came to the conclusion that a cop's life was no longer for me. With my sterling record, plus my innate and undeniable Latino charm, I had no trouble whatsoever landing a position with the respected Cosmos Detective Agency. Jake grinned at him. You mean you're a private eye now? So Jake is grinning at the news of this uh, lateral move career change, yes. um, which reminded uh, reminded people of... Uh, you know the goofy. I felt a goofy grin uh, winding its way across yeah. my face in the uh, in <laughs> Armada and such. Yeah, I noted at that point that when he said my un uh, my innate and undeniable Latino charm, like wait, 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 <laughs> this um, amigo fella here, he's Latino. <laughs> right. I yeah. wasn't picking up the clues. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, they they introduce some some characters like War Bride, another person off screen that they're talking about, who is another ex of Jake's, who's leading a rebel army in Chihuahua. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, at some point in time, Jake leans forward, resting his palms on his knees, which I noted uh, in a scene like this is like a that's like a Fast and Furious action set piece, just from these two guys sitting in this room talking, like you know, leaning forward and grinning is pretty much the only action we get in this scene. Well, I was very excited about that because I know where his hands are. 
which, you know, <laughs> which comes up in, an, in an, another action scene. We get a description of where hands and knees are. So this this is a weird touch. <laughs> yes, he did pace earlier, and I noted in the book, like, hands where? But I there was so much that I was like, all right, I'm, I'm not going to bring that one up. Yeah. Um, but this is another one. Speaking of hands, uh, what's his name? Gomez says, uh, were you to, he's asking him to be his partner on this. And he says, were you to turn this little chore down? He might well regret he used his considerable influence to get you out of the ice box. Jake pointed a thumb at the ceiling, meaning I might end up back at the freezer if I don't take this job. And Gomez responds with another sort of English as a second language moment. It's amigo a possibility worth mentioning. Yes, that sentence was astonishing to me. Why, who does that? Yeah, it's almost as if he like needed to insert another uh, Spanish word in and just sort of did it at random through a dart of the page. Like, it's yeah, it's just not the way you conjugate that sentence. Amigo, it's a, pro- it's a possibility worth mentioning. It's a possibility worth mentioning, amigo. Or just throw it in, uh, it's a possibility, amigo, worth mentioning. Yeah, that would be like you had a one of the the pips from the or the square orange, the green orange stuck in your throat, and you're like, it's <coughs> uh, amigo, um, like I'm, something threw him off really horribly there, whatever. But what is distracts from Jake indicating the direction of up by pointing a thumb at the ceiling. Which is not something that any human has ever done to be like, uh, you know, <laughs> a thumbs up has a specific thing. You could easily point with your index finger, but he's like pointing a thumb at this. I guess that's technically something. It is, do. but like, it is. It's not a way you would describe it. Try to, if you think of it, like you, you point with your index finger, you know, yes. generally, right? Yes. So think of pointing with your thumb and think of the like the weird I'm doing it right now as I'm trying yeah, to describe I am too. it. Like what? Wait, a point? I'm just. Thumbs up, you know, to the ceiling. Yeah, yeah that's very yeah. strange. You could do it if you're like, yeah, the people upstairs are real noise. I don't, yeah, but it, it feels incredibly unnatural. Now, here's a thing that I noted that happened a number of times, and I won't, I don't think it's Kleinian, so I'm not going to give it that label. I think that's unfair. There are, the characters in this do, uh, uh, they do their own exposition in a clumsy way, which I just think could be done by an omniscient narrator, right? Like when he mentions okay. something. So here's one, like he mentions this guy and then uh, the the response is, why is the Cosmos Detective Agency interested in a small time guerrilla leader who does a little smuggling on the side? <laughs> now they both know this person very well. Right. So it'd be like me saying, uh, hey, Connor, go grab that golf club. And you'd be like, what are you interested in a, uh, you know, a 30 centimeter tool used for lifting golf balls <laughs> off the turf and sending them into a cup and scoring yeah. points? Uh, you know, like what? What no, the we hell both is wrong with what, you? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you re-describing the person I just mentioned that we both know? Yeah. You're going to go to, uh, you know, a vacation in a country that uh, Simone Boulevard initiated a insurrection off in yes. the uh, 1700s too it's like yeah i know i don't know what country that is but you know if we if we both knew what country that was it might be peru or uh something you you would not say that is where you're going to take your your vacation yeah hey i'm going to call mom why are you going to call a woman who gave birth to you but, you know it's just so strange and it comes up a lot they do it instead of just you know like a one sentence uh, narrator going so and so was a small time guerrilla leader who did a little smuggling on this you know 
Right. And since we we since they're talking about all these people, we both know what he's going for. It's sort of like the the you know, the detective getting the assignment where he's sort of showing you the slideshow. Hey, so this is, uh, you know, the villain in Die Hard. Like he's uh, he's we've, he's been cited again. And John McClane is like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I recognize him. Like yeah, he was, I had a so go around with him a few years ago. Exactly, he shot exactly. me in the shoulder and, you know. <laughs> And so that sort of works in a movie because they do it in 30 seconds and then they move on for the rest of the thing. But every single chapter of this thing had a had one of those exchanges. Yeah. Um, Now we get to one of my favorite touches about Sid, which they buried the lead. I mean, the hair is interesting. It's moving (laughs) around. It's not quite like Medusa, but there's something going on with it because it's kind of bouncing. And he's wearing an orange sport jacket. (laughs) Who is this guy? What is this? <laughs> and it's not a plaz jacket. So he's just, he's like, um, you know, one of those sports uh, announcers, you know, on the 24-hour sports channels trying to get attention by. Right. Look yeah, at Craig that. Sager. Yeah, bringing in the orange sport. Ah, and they all make fun of him and laugh for two minutes. Like, what is he? Who is Sid? He's a hard-boiled cop with bouncing hair and an orange sport jacket. Yeah, I guess it could be that sort of obnoxious, like, fifth element, like everything is sort of neon uh, type of thing. But like, yeah. Late, they describe his, his wardrobe later on in a in a in a very funny way when he calls him in the morning and he's like, uh, "Hey, like, what 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 are you uh, what are you wearing there, buddy? Like, where where is it? Oh yeah, Gomez, what's that you're decked out in?" Gomez glanced down at himself, a nightshirt. And then Jake says, black's a strange color for a, and like, so he takes note of the fact that he's wearing a black shirt. Go back to the orange, which is completely (laughs) normal in our plaz world. (laughs) I guess so. Maybe, maybe that's a joke that black is too subtle for Gomez. I don't know. I don't know. Um, But uh, yeah, so another, uh, another person that they start talking about who's not present is uh, uh, Professor Kitteridge. And uh, his daughter, Beth. Oh, and, Beth. Ooh, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it continues. So the Beth is missing, but that does not uh, prevent every single person from just being a complete horn dog for Beth. Uh, well, she has a, a pretty big flaw, but that does not stop them. She's, <laughs> well, she's the- slim. They mention every time, like, if you like those slim broads or whatever, you know, it's like, what? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Are we now... <laughs> We have a weird new body type that we like in the future. Is that? Uh... Oh, we're about to encounter a whole lot of plump people, so I'm not sure if that's uh, if that's something or other. But yeah, Gomez is like, yeah, she's somewhat pretty, huh? And then in the next sentence, Jake is studying one of the photos, a disturbed expression on his face for some reason. Uh, the young woman in the three-dimensional photo was dark-haired, slim, and pretty. Uh, she wore a simple suit dress and was standing on a sunbright stretch of afternoon beach smiling in a quiet way yes so not one of those smiles that just is like de- people are like can you can you can you please tone down the loud smiling like i'm trying to read and you're just standing here like disturbing the peace with your loud smile you know you hot missing 26 year old which then he says it'd be a shame if she's dead so they're talking <laughs> about three three people right that the yeah we'll get right. to that so it's only a shame if she's dead. Yeah. The other guys, yeah, yeah they might not get the banger. That's yeah, the, uh, rot in hell. <laughs> um, um, help me out with something here because this comes up a couple times. Um, listeners will know that uh, Connor mailed the book to me. I still do not have the book, Connor. What? No, I, it's it's somewhere in the post office. 
God. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I'm reading it on PDF. But there's two things. Um, he says his daughter is something of an electronics wizard, too, and she's been helping the old boy in his researches of late. Is that correct? Researches? Um, yeah, I... <sighs> I mean, there hasn't been any other mistake, so I'm just going. There's a couple where I was like, "No way!" Another was brain stim instead of yeah. Brain... That was is that in the yeah, book? Brain, brain stim was like what you do with tech, I guess. Like that's how you, you know, stimulate your brain, I guess. <laughs> oh, brain stim. Okay, all right. Yeah, helping with his researches of late is what I've got. That's uh. <laughs> is that again am i wrong that's not a thing right i i don't think so it's that's called another research, one where it's like right? <laughs> you know, using rudimentary translation language to cheat on your spanish uh spanish two homework and your your teacher's like all right i see what you did <laughs> right but they uh so the cosmos issued a life uh like large life policy that's another that's one that he hyphenated i don't know why he just didn't combine the words on that uh-huh. but the company that did it Moonbase Hartford. <laughs> that is, this is a new low for Goulart. And then in the next chapter, he goes even lower. So I just want wow. that noted. Yeah, that Moonbase Hartford, that's the best he could do for a futuristic insurance company. So just the insurance capital of the world and just adding on Moonbase to it? Progressive Plaz. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's so bad. He did not even, he did nothing. <laughs> Um, so I think he's talking about the professor or, uh, professor Kitteridge. And there's another one of these moments where no one has ever talked this way, but they're talking about how he's old or something. But Jake says, Hey, 56, isn't that old. I'm a little more than a half dozen years from there myself, Gomez. <laughs> it's another instance of him having a, tar- a hard time just describing age. <laughs> remember, remember the earlier one? Like I was damn near close to thirty six. Right. <laughs> why, why do you have such trouble with this? But in other situations, it's like the woman was forty one and the boy was seventeen. Just people that he glances at on the air cab. But like, so let's parse this. So fifty six. He's little more than a half dozen years from there myself. So he's a little more than six years from fifty six. So he's saying that he's. Eight years away? <laughs> I do. Like, in which case, wouldn't you say, like, you know, uh, you know, I'll be there in less than a decade. Like, he picked the most convoluted way of of indicating that. Does he maybe have that? What's what's that uh, disorder where you mix up your senses? Um, oh, yeah. Synesthesia. Uh, synesthesia. Yeah. So you'll you see a number colors? and you'll yeah. you'll see orange <laughs> or something like that. Maybe just with age, he just doesn't have the tools. And so everyone stares at him for 30 seconds till they try to figure out what the hell he was talking about. It could be the side effect of the tech. But yeah, that's like uh, that's like one of those Facebook puzzles where they're like, no, you know, only 10 percent of people will get it. And it's like shows, you know, two shirts plus a uh, pants equals 30. And then every single person in the comments is like, the answer is 25. No, you idiot. And then there's, you know, it's like, it's, it, it reads that way. It's like, how old is Jake? And everyone can interprets it a completely different way because it's so confusing. Well, at least at the end of the chapter, there's sort of a warm touch where they talk about Xmas facts. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> yes. I, that I was- got an Xmas facts from her or whatever. So the, yeah. first of all, in this book, just calling it Xmas. I think they've done that already. 
and uh-huh. then we're back to sending faxes instead yes. of like this is this is really lame so it curls off the machine <laughs> puts that stuff on your you know the dark stuff on your hands like right. oh thanks a lot you printed off a fax for me for you Christmas. ignore it because the only faxes you get are just like local uh, takeout places that have figured out how to spam your fax machine with their <laughs> <Right>. menus <laughs> Oh, the future is not bright. I don't have to wear shades. <laughs> uh, that's it for chapter eight for me. Same here. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah, this one starts with a bang. Oh, this is one of my favorite opening. We talked about opening sentences the last episode. This one, if we had known this, that would have been in that list that you read from last right. time. Right. <laughs> Give it a read. Uh, Jake woke up. <laughs> there you go. Nailed it. It was an interesting and basically pleasant experience and something Jake hadn't done recently. So I have have many questions. Uh, One, did he know he was about to wake up? Uh, Because that's how the book starts. Uh, Also, that's how the book starts. He has done that recently. The the very first thing we saw was him waking up. Third, we know he hasn't done any of these things recently because that's all you've, you've drilled that home the entire time. But he has. According to him, it was just like he left that day and came back. So there's no <laughs> there's no difference in his mind between stuff he hasn't done recently. Yeah, you can't be sitting there aware of the things you're not aware of. Like <laughs> I was in suspended animation, so I'm aware that I wasn't waking up a whole lot. You know? yes. Well, there's another opportunity I blew and I didn't wake up because I'm in right. suspended animation. I just read the word insouciant. It dawned on me that it had been a while since I'd read that word, and I certainly hadn't said it out loud in a long period of time. Yes. God. Here's Um, a a great detail that I I think this is at the beginning. So he wakes up, once again, rushing headlong into the action. He takes a shower. (laughs) Uh, So, and and I think the thing is supposed to be future shower, like you're supposed to be impressed by this. He scanned the choices on the control panel, Decided on a 60-second warm water shower. So apparently there are other options there, and that's the future, so fair enough. And pushed the correct button. Why that detail? How about we assume from now on when he selects something and pushes a button that he hits the correct one? Right, yes, exactly. If he hit the wrong button and it ended up being a three-hour cold water shower, that might be worth noting. Yes. Oh, crap, wrong button. Oh, God, real wrong button. I'll have to come back in four hours. Yep, I'm stuck with it. Might as well stay in here. Then I can re-push the correct button three hours later. Right. Um, well, yeah, I liked, I liked that as he, as he walked over to the shower, he, uh, he was grinning, uh, <laughs> Quietly, a wise or... decision. Jake swung free of the big bed. Now hush as you wish, says the computer grinning, Jake barefooted across the room, barefooted the verb and touched the door of the shower stall. So he's just in his room grinning to himself. And he also starts a, a weird balance of, uh, thinking to himself, but then also continuing that sort of internal monologue out loud. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know what's going on with it. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, uh, so I, I'm just going to read. I've got some uh, a decent chunk of it. But uh, after leaving the alcove, he crossed to his closet. Most of this stuff is probably out of style by now, he said to himself as the door opened to display his four-year-old and more wardrobe. I should have asked Gomez what's fashionable nowadays. He's saying all of this out loud. No, forget that. He's correcting himself. His notions, so this is a sentence he, a person says out loud. His notions tend to include materials that glow in the dark or cause severe headaches to look at for more than a few seconds. 
reading that out loud to myself sounded insane. Like the fact that someone could be, you know, having those ideas and saying them out loud is madness. He's probably, and since he's also probably grinning as he says that. I mean, just imagine what if like the Maltese Falcon or something, uh, (laughs) Humphrey Bogart was that kind of insanity because that's what he's going for, right? It's a futuristic Humphrey Bogart or whatever, you know, picture, pick your character as he wanders around his apartment with these insane monologues, you would go, <laughs> what is, so there's a mentally deranged man who happens to be a really good hard-boiled detective who slays the women and, you know, right. men want to be him and women want to be with him and all of that. But, but he does, he actually says a lot of insane things out loud. That's the one <laughs> drawback to this guy. <laughs> he's tracking down a plasma guffin. Um, <laughs> so he's, he's, he, he keeps this going. So then he starts to think some of these things. Dressed, he went down the hall to the small yellow and white kitchen. He was enjoying all the simple rituals of getting up in the morning, he found. But that's something he (laughs) he found. (laughs) Although, although, and then he has another one right after that. Although Jake's life wasn't at one of its high points right now, he basically liked it. So then he's thinking that. Then he continues the thought out loud. And it's several notches above the freezer, he says. Uh, then he opens the thing, t- opens the freezer, t- uh, the fridge, takes out two of the square green oranges, which more on that, I'm sure. I'm going to take the Cosmos job, he said, crouching and looking on the lower kitchen shelves for a plaz glass. First place, I owe it to Gomez for helping to get me out. And it'll be good to work with him again. And like either sit down or hold onto your chair, buckle up, because this is one of the worst sentences I've ever read. Until he showed up last night. I wasn't even certain he hadn't decided I was as crooked as everyone else thinks I am. Dear Lord. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even, I don't, I lack the like gr- grammar English knowledge to say what's going on there, but I'm going to read it one more time. Until he showed up last night, I wasn't even certain he hadn't decided I was as crooked as everyone else thinks I am. So I think it changes tense th- three times and point of view three times all in that same thing. Like it's insane. Wow. That is like uh, on a, a, a level of speaking, like the, you know, the <laughs> phrase, the leith police dismisseth us, you know, that's the tongue twister that you cannot ah, say. This is a sentence sure. you simply cannot understand. <laughs> right. So I, I wasn't certain that Gomez like in the future hadn't decided that I was in the future, in the present as crooked as everyone else uh, royal, everyone else not present assumes that I am. So, my God. But the uh, the whole thing of like talking out loud, thinking out loud. There's a uh, there was a book, uh, Stephen King book, eleven twenty two sixty three about the guy who goes back in time to prevent JFK's assassination. Oh right, right. And it was it was a good book, but he's for the most part doing all this by himself. So he's thinking a lot of things. A lot of it's internal monologue. He's not talking out loud to himself like a lunatic. But they made it into a TV show with James Franco. And in order to make it work as a TV show, they had to, uh, they introduced like a, a second character. So he would have sure, someone to sure talk to and say these things too. So it was a weird little decision. Um, uh, if you hadn't read the book, you wouldn't notice it. But it, it, it made sense as a reader of the book to be like, oh, this is what they had to do to make this not insane or boring. Yeah, it reminded me of, uh, you know, all of I read a bunch of him in in that one chapter uh, last week where he talked to himself as a monologue. And if you just collected all of these and just read them all, just just the quotes to himself, just when he's alone, not speaking to another person, it would obviously be madness. (laughs) And it reminded me of that. I hope to God I can find it someday or maybe someone will do it for us. 
uh, Planet of the Apes, there was once a cut of it where it was oh, just yeah. Charlton Heston's <laughs> dialogue. <laughs> and it's it's this just bitter apocalyptic rant that is hilarious. Yeah. You know, just him like, what is man? Does man still make war against man? And it goes on for a full hour. And he doesn't right. interact with another character during that time. Uh, right. that it reminded me of this. Like, what is, who is this character talking to himself? It's insanity. Yeah, gibbering. Yeah, it's like the opposite of uh, Garfield without Garfield is is, is Har- Charlton Heston without anyone else being like, all right, well, we're going in for a landing now, Chuck. So Are you you're going doing. in for a landing? We tried landing before. Good luck to you. <laughs> is the landing... What's going in for us? <laughs> no, we're we're about to land, so buck, buckle your seatbelt and uh, put on your helmet. Uh, pass me some of that uh, space milk, will you? Why would I pass you this beverage that's been dehydrated and rehydrated? Oh, thank you, thank you for explaining <laughs> this thing exactly. that we both know. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, uh, the, the Gomez is explaining him on a video screen. Another convoluted thing, like there's a, another doctor who knows the other doctor, and she's volunteered to meet with them. She's a plump, blonde woman of about 45. Um, about 45. Um, no one's immediately parsing her age like the uh, guess your age and weight guy at the carnival. She's damn near 45. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a fun a fun gig is uh is going to going to getting a job as one of those guys and and guessing everything in the style of tech war, <laughs> seeing how many years it would take to be like wait a second are you doing an elaborate tech war tribute bid is this at this job like half of them would walk away without their giant teddy bear because they just couldn't figure out what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so she she uh, has agreed to uh, meet them at a biotech sandwich shop. Um, so just a yep. heavy, heavy sigh about that. That's um, Well, that was one of my dumb sentences of the week. Oh, man, crap. We're well, I mean, to... what are you going to do? There's a lot of dumb sentences. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's essentially just like, we might as well say future sandwich shop if we're going to be just saying that because it's... Um, you know, that's... But it, it's it's part of a weird sentence. Let me just read it now that we the, the cat's out of the bag on this. You remember that Brazilian cafe where we used to have lunch? Sure. Is that still there? Lots of the old places seem to be gone. It's still there, except it's a biotech sandwich shop now. <laughs> so, I mean, when you ask somebody it's, that... that's that, still there. That McDonald's that we go to all the time, the one that we go to every single day, is that still there? <laughs> Yeah, it's still there. It's humming along great. It's fantastic. Oh, I go there every day. I could, I'm craving a Big Mac. That yeah, no, perfect. no, 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 no. It's a shoe store now. You know, well, it's like, not what? still there then. <laughs> exactly. Like, I wasn't asking about the walls, you asked. Yes. Right. I mean, maybe if it was one of those, like, you know, it's a pizza hut, so it has the very distinctive uh, shape of the roof. But then it has turned right, into a, right. uh, it's turned into like a, you know, Indian food place or something like, yeah, no, like the Pizza Hut's still there. And it's hilarious, too, because it's an Indian food place, right. but they still have the Pizza Hut roof. Like, that's the only situation maybe where that would be acceptable. But when someone says it's still there, except it's a biotech sandwich shop now, they would, of course, get punched immediately in the face. <laughs> right. Uh, it reminded me, I, I put out the, the call on Twitter because just saying biotech sandwich shop it just reminded me of the way that in like around 1998 or 99, like every rap album 
that wanted to be like in futurized, just put 2000 at the end of its name. Right. So there was, you know, <laughs> Doc's the name 2000 or Method Man's like TCAL 2000, Dr. Dre's 2001. So like it was just like and then immediately they looked idiotic because like Y2K passed and, you know, no one would ever name their album, you know, TCAL 2006. Right. Like, right. <laughs> uh, so it just it, it, it's immediately that stupid uh, to do that. But um, then he says, uh, the doctor will be meeting us in the back booth at the stroke of 12, and I shall pick you up at the stroke of 11. Um, so another just weird way of phrasing stuff. But then sentences later, he he says, it was exactly 10 a.m., and Jake was at the Chicano colony of GLA. <laughs> it's it's the stroke of 10 by your own rules you've just established, you moron. Yeah, what is his trying to mix that formal talking with the... Amigo and everything is very, <laughs> very hard to pick up on who this guy is. But, you know, he's distracted by that hair. It doesn't really matter. And the orange jacket, like, ah, whatever. He's the whole package. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he, he so then the uh, earthquake strikes, uh, causing two red tiles made of tough plaz um, to fall off the roof of the restaurant. And they're not plaz tiles or like plaz Whatever, but I have plaz. That, yeah, I have that note. Why not one word? <laughs> what are the rules here? Made of tough plaz. <laughs> Two words. This is uh, getting hard to track. Goulart is uh, off the rails, man. Because mere pages later, there are uh, on the boardwalk and the plaz shingles are rotting off of the uh, restaurants there. Yeah, um, that, that's a sentence that I have. That's exactly. Everywhere paint was peeling, plaz shingles which is now hyphenated. <laughs> uh, so this, the tiles are made of tough plaz, but plaz shingles were popped loose. And now one word, plastiglass windows and doors were streaked with wind-carried beach dirt. <laughs> and that's beach dirt? hyphenated wind-carried, but beach dirt is two words. Wow. So uh, what is the what are the rules? Here's what happened. I'm, I, here's what happened. Uh, plaz was one of those terms that like the company who uh, invented it. They like there was an error in their uh, trademark filing paperwork. So it was like sort of free for everyone to use. So it's like famous original rays. Uh, so everyone can just, you know, you have plaz, you have plaz one word you have plaz hyphenated you have things that end in plaz and so they're all the same thing pretty much but they're just different um different ways of doing it all these companies have have done this that's my theory right and it's and and some of the companies are fighting it because like rollerblade and kleenex right and frigidaire you don't want to be it's identified with yeah. yeah you don't want to do that because then even a downscale refrigerator or whatever or blades will be called roller blades so you right. d you discourage it so it's a mess it's a total right. mess <laughs> wow more thought than they gave it in the course of writing a book <laughs> oh uh, you don't give goulart enough credit he's got it all noodled out uh but a, a dark-haired girl of about 11 is riding by and calls him an abuela um about 11 is once you as you get younger and younger the window here gets even more easier to pinpoint exactly how old they are i would guess so that's yeah. puzzling She's damn but, near almost quite <laughs> over 11. But uh, for fans of precise ages, do not fear, because he goes into the Mexican food restaurant and uh, a small, dark, chubby man of 56 was jumping out of his chair at one of the small round tables. So It's so a weird, back. I think he only knows the ages of people whose weight aren't, you know, who's, 
who are a little chubby or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. There's some correlation there, I think. Yeah, huh. It's interesting. Maybe there's a, uh, it is like a carnival barker where the guessing the weight helps you with the, uh, with the age. Yeah. But uh, he says, I'm not a cop anymore, reminded Jake, sitting and smiling evenly at the plump man. So plump is really uh Really reared its head strong. It's it's, it's got a got a strong contender for word of the word of the section. Yeah, uh, plump. Which what what did he describe our uh, the uh, middle aged black woman from the previous chapter, uh, previous reading? Oh, she was. Oh, yeah, she was plump or chubby or whatever. She got. I don't know. She, she, was, she yeah. was, did not get a flattering description. <laughs> well, she's gone. And I'm, I'm guessing most of these people we get introduced to this chapter are probably going to be one timers as well. But there is a, another thing. Rio was the guy who's telling him about war bride and more smugglers and, and more people off camera. But uh, at some point in time, Jake oversteps his boundary and Rio made a hush motion with his left hand. So I want you to describe to me what that might look like. A hush motion with his left hand. Wow. I don't know. Right now I'm just pointing a thumb at the ceiling. I don't don't know what to do. I I puzzled it out for a while. So, I mean, a hush motion, I I would just, you know, you would put a finger up to your lips. Yeah, usually near your mouth to make hush, yeah. But say that then. like, And now I'm imagining him like doing like a little uh, hand puppet where like the thumb is the mouth and like, he he snaps that close and then like uses his other hand to like zip the lips up or something. But like, mm-hmm. but both of those have you. you know, <laughs> it's so much easier to describe the things that are happening instead of leaving it to a leaving it to our imagination, man. But at least you get the rich character that is Rio, <laughs> and I could not read it without thinking, of course, of Duran Duran's Rio and how he is dancing across the sands. This uh, Mister Rio. <laughs> classic Uh, 80s yeah uh he calls him uh what is juanito oh where does he say that he says uh chuckling rio said while you were away juanito the government of greater los angeles introduced something new i just don't know (laughs) the word i'm sorry i'm well it i mean we we puzzled out last time why jake was short for his name which is jonathan oh so so it just means small juan right yeah just a a friendly like yeah that's weird oh okay i thought it would have been feminine but i guess it just means little little john yeah it's a way like your your grandfather would call you that if you were that's bizarre so it it is drilling down on that that his name is actually john not jacob jake or anything like that god Um, yeah so he sort of explains that stuff to him but um there's another uh weird line break here uh if you don't have anything else about rio uh i just said let me see i have uh once a week at 10 oh this is yeah yeah i have this one note rio says once a week at 10 a.m in the morning they let off <laughs> I, I just said a note rio come on you're better than that man just i, just, man, you know. I glossed over that that's like wow yep so times are <laughs> he has trouble with all times even just call it not repeating yeah so there's a, there's a lot of trouble with that well, we uh, we move on to a, a passage that I, I'm giving credit where it's due. There are two things I thought giving credit where it's due. One was the idea that they would uh, have found a way to, like, release earthquake pressure yeah. to prevent big earthquakes. Sure. Okay. That's that's an interesting concept that is, I'm sure, underutilized in this. Um, and then the other thing that I thought was, was credit was due is that the passage about the seagull was pretty damn funny. 
Uh, a sooty seagull coughed once, took three lurching steps along the boardwalk railing, teetered, fell over. Dingy <laughs> yeah. winds flapping awkwardly. It went plummeting straight down to the rubbish-strewn beach 20 feet below. There was a thunk and a rattling when it hit. So that's a funny little cartoonish image. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so that, I guess, is trying to imply how sort of poisonous everything is and and just disgusting. Yeah, he mentioned the air quality uh, back in the when he came back in the last section, something like that. Um, maybe a result of the Brazil Wars. Who knows? Yeah, and the Gomez reacts to it. He says, I refuse to take that as an omen. And <laughs> um, no mention, number one, where were his hands? And number two, <laughs> what was his hair doing at this point? Are, yes. we, are we just assuming the bouncing at this point? Or could you give me a clue? However, he may have been holding off on that because he's about to deliver uh, in a big way because uh, Jake asks, things have been getting worse with tech? Gomez shrugged his left shoulder and grimaced. In most <laughs> <Yes>. ways, yes. <laughs> so that's back in a big way. Uh, but in my PDF, check this for me because you just read that. Things have been getting worse with tech. And then there's the double return. Yeah. So... Is a lot of time passed? Was that 31 seconds? What does that imply? It's, um, it, it's immediately yeah. after that, right? Gomez shrugged his left shoulder and grimaced. So it, <laughs> so it seems to be contiguous, and yet there's the double return. So anyway, huh. I'm just puzzled by that. Yeah. Um, in the book, that's not really there. So oh, okay. Sure All right. So we, do, we did find a difference. All right. Okay. I got to get that um, paper back in my house. Yeah, that is insane. I don't, I'll look on the tracking for it and find out what's going on, but that is unacceptable. You've been let down by either time and again, paperback exchange, second time around books, or Basin Books, all based out of Oregon. Um, <laughs> oh, to calling them out. Wow. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, the uh, this chapter ends with the uh, plump doctor approaching the uh, ragged man in an old battle jacket that had brass vet written in neon tubing across its back. He was rattling a plaz club close to her plump face. <laughs> but before that, <laughs> uh, the distorted word that made me slightly angry was um, use of tech is up in GLA. Estimated it's put it at about 18% of the total pop. Ha. Huh. Come on, man. You're lengthening every other word. <laughs> and to call population pop is like very irritating. It's worse right. than lengthening, you know, plaz chair or whatever. <laughs> Somehow that just irritated me more. Just say right. that word. Why are you lengthening every other one and shortening this? Right. Yeah. I learned the, uh, I learned about the uh, teen slang, uh, weird flex, but okay the other day. And I was immediately irritated by that. And that's the same, uh, the same type of thing where it's like, come on, you're just saying that to annoy me. Like there's no other way. There's no other explanation. Wait, what is that? I don't even know this one. Our, the teens, uh, say weird flex, but okay. Like a flex is when you're bragging about something. So if you told me that, uh, you know, you had memorized, if you were like, hey, uh, you know what I did over the weekend? I memorized all the dialogue of uh, Santa's I'm hot monologue in uh, uh, oh, sure. Santa yeah. and the Ice Cream Bunny. I'd be like, mm, okay, weird flex, but okay. Oh, man. Yep. I give that the raspberries. I don't like that. <laughs> 23 skidoo for that bull crap. <laughs> Uh, then they changed what it was, and now what we're with isn't it. Uh, but while we uh, puzzle out that uh, inscrutable uh, slang of the teens, why don't we do some fanfic? 
And now I bet they bitching cause my flow switching Trying to tell me what to write about some fan fiction Can't they just be happy I no longer have to face eviction That I'm living on my life, I'm living on my inner vision right now Ah, oh, one of our favorites And may I oh, remind yeah. everyone May I remind everyone of my giant success last week With picking out all the fanfics correctly yeah, bragging about uh, fanfic identification. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> I walked into it. <laughs> the long con. Yeah. yeah, Mike got them all right last week. Uh, but I feel like uh, our fanfic authors had not yet dialed into the true nuances of the Shatner Goulart style. I think that they stepped up their game this week, and I think it's going to be a lot harder. All right. Well, I have, uh, you know what I, I'd never done before is I just make little notes and now I have my little pencil in hand and I'm ready. And that was, I think the key to my success. Okay. Uh, I'm using a Dixon Ticonderoga number. No, oh, this one's not numbered. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's a good pencil. Say, if it was any other number, that would be like a, man, that would be a sign that you're still uh, in the inception or something. <laughs> it's a number three pencil. All right. Uh, bring it. All right. Number one. Jake noticed now the small rectangular gap beneath her left breast. (laughs) (laughs) Some inner circuitry showed, plus a few dangling and unconnected strands of very colored wire. He stopped beside the table, staring down at the android. Beth was very pretty, and she looked so lost and vulnerable lying there in the white light. Jake glanced around, seeking something to cover her with. Hey, he reminded himself, it's only an Andy. Oh, that's good. You know what? I I got my uh, thoughts about that, though. (laughs) All right. Let's do number two. Jake stared in disbelief at the chrome face filling the vidphone screen. Are you saying Shake's Valentini was killed, he blurted? (laughs) He he glanced around to make sure no one was near the vidphone booth. Shake's was the head of the Chicago Sector tech mob for 30... No, wait, I guess it's 34 years now. Who would have have the cojones to bump off that kind of muscle? (laughs) Interest, you chose the word cojones, smirked Winger. I don't think the person who did it had as, has any. Even though no one was in sight, Jake still lowered his voice. War bride, he whispered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. Boy, oh, boy. All right. Carry on. All right. Number three. We have five. The wild-eyed man barged down the crowded street, his plaz leather duster swirling behind him as he cavorted through the thinning crowd while his eyes were wide with mania. I am Lord Zerul, he shouted, drawing a las gun from his pocket, waving it in the air, and you will all bow down before me in supplication. Jake immediately recognized the signs of a terminal tech addict, one whose mind had been warped on too many poorly realized fantasies to the point that he knew no longer knew what was real or not. And in that moment, he had a fear for his own soul. Wow. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're bringing it this time. I won't deny it. All right. All right. Number four. No, number four. Jake noticed the bulls about 10 seconds after he discovered that he no longer had his lays gun. There were four of them standing in a neat row down at the far end of the big storeroom. About 300 feet of empty plaswood flooring separated them from Jake. Three of the robot bulls were a sleek, glistening black, and the fourth was a bright scarlet. They're dormant, turned off, Jake said to himself, after watching them for a few more seconds. Keeping his eyes on the huge mechanical creatures anyway, he moved closer to the door. There was no way, he found, to open it from this side. (laughs) (laughs) Nice touch. touch. (laughs) They're learning and adapting. Uh, All right, last one. 
Jake rummaged through the clutter, gingerly shifting dusty earthenware jars around as he checked their contents. So far, he had scared up only La Cucaracha, not the similar-looking tech chips, let alone the rumored super tech units Riho had insisted would be there. Because those chips were reserved for special favors, they would be kept close at hand. Despite the various offerings of rotted fruit and expensive synthlahol cluttered around its feet, Jake still worried for the motionless figure of Saint Death, or Santa Muerte, the patron saint <laughs> of Mexican tech runners, could be a mech. It was the way the pinprick blue-white eyes glowed knowingly out of the plasglass skull. Beneath the hooded, hand-woven cloak, it sported a gaudy ribcage of crudely wrought neon tube. He really should pull the disintegrating cloak aside to see better, but he didn't want to touch the thing. Oh, this is a Sisyphean task here. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't know, but I'm gonna. I'm just gonna dive right in, and right. Uh, I'm gonna give a little uh, a 31 second nod to my Dixon <laughs> Ticonderoga. So please hold on for that. No, I think. All right, it's gonna be so wrong. But what am I supposed to do? Number one fanfic, number two fanfic, number three and four are Goulart, and number five is fanfic. All right. Well, you got two correct. Oh, so number dude. one, number one is real. The, oh, uh, son of the a Android's breast trying to cover it up. Number two was fanfic by Bob Shakes Valentini. Uh, that's fanfic. That's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number three, you thought that was. Wait, oh, sorry. You thought two was fanfic, right? Yep. I thought two was fanfic. Okay, so I thought three and four were Goulart chat. Yeah, so three is is fake. Three was fanfic by Jill. Oh, nice. That's Jill. the uh, the uh, the um, terminal tech addict. That was yeah. That was a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, number number four, the Bulls. That's real. That was probably just too weird to pull in. I don't know. I thought that plaz wood flooring. You would think that was too stupid to be real, but there'd be no way you'd figure out that there was going to be robot bulls as a fanfic writer. <laughs> right. And number five is fanfic by Kara Storm. I don't know. I thought that was going to fool you. The La Cucaracha and Santa Muerte I thought were nice touches. <laughs> it is very good. Wait, Plaza. so I got three right. Yes, I, I, I misunderstood. Yeah, your I got two, two right. four, and five right. So yes. percentage-wise, still pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, people, are, people are stepping it up. It's good to see. Oh, well done. Good app of fanfic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's move uh, right on to chapter 10, which is the first time something actually happens um, in this chapter, uh, which is that the uh, the bum who is sort of they thought was panhandling with the plump professor uh, reaches out, grabs her and explodes. Yep. Uh, what is the actual wording for that? The explosion? I, I found it a little confusing know. about what happened because then yeah. it gets re-explained later. Sure. Uh, let me see. Uh, I didn't the, really take any notes about that. I sort of just took in the plot and moved on. But it, it explodes. It knocks Gomez over the railing that the seagull fell over. And uh, Oh, and here Jake it is. Here it is. Sorry. The, there was all at once an enormous whamming explosion. <laughs> Fire and swirling black smoke blossomed all around the two figures. The concussion of the blast listed Gomez right off the planking. It knocked Jake over, toppling him down hard on his backside. As he hit, he saw his partner go cartwheeling through the noonday air. <laughs> Gomez right. sailed clean over the rail and went falling toward the beach below. So that's, yeah, okay. 
There, sure. There's some action there. I mean, an ex, you know, explosion happened. Cartwheeling is a weird way to put it, um, but it's uh, yeah, some weird know, was, touches there. I just wish he'd been a little clearer. The right. description of like the him, there was a thing about distances. Like he, Gomez ran ahead, yeah. but he, he was very specific about. Then he was thirty <laughs> yards away, and I was like, all right, what is this leading up to? So that, right. that's what it was. That Jake was farther away than Gomez, so he was not cartwheeling uh, off the uh, planking. So. But all that description and, you know, who knows what, you know, was his hair singed? Was his hair like also sort of like bouncing majestically as he flew through the air? No, weirdly, uh, when something like that happens in a crisis, his hair clenches and is, oh, is still. <laughs> his hair has its own fight or flight uh, Exactly. Reaction. It's like a, ah. an octopus being touched. It just like. Pulling goes, back into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then he uh, he goes down there and he's asking he's asking Gomez like you know are you okay and he's sort of doing the like talking before he's about to pass out type of thing but he's like muy tonto he's like who's stupid me or you I'm the one should have suspected that that bum was a kamikaze and the Jake says he was a what and Gomez <laughs> sighed but didn't answer and we will have more on this later that is my Let's put a pin in that. That Jake was confused by the word kamikaze. Uh, we'll, yes. we'll come back to it uh, shortly. But yeah, and I promised that I would speak about the uh, the position that he was in. Mm. Um, he so he saw him. So yeah, his position. He reached the place where Gomez had gone over. His partner was lying down below on the gritty beach in a huddled position with his knees and elbows nearly touching. Okay. <laughs> so he cartwheels off the planking, is thrown to the, the filthy beach below, where all the dead seagulls are, I guess. Yeah. And then he lands in a huddled position with his knees and elbows nearly touching. <laughs> that's like a uh, thing you make grades. I mean, once again, that's pop. Per pop and sprinkle. Per pop yeah. And sprinkle. What what is he doing? I don't. That's how they're like, you know, you're a kernel of popcorn. So touch your knees to the <laughs> elbows, and at the count of three, you'll explode in a popcorn motion. Yeah, I just figure more of a, uh, you know, Family Guy arm twisted behind back, uh, lying. Right. <laughs> but instead, he's like all curled up tightly. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't picture the physicality of that. His hair was nearly touching his knees at this point. And <laughs> his thumb was pointed towards a ceiling somewhere. <laughs> um. But yeah, so Gomez passes out and then uh, the the medics show up, um, including uh, the first of essentially two angry chief characters, who is uh, Captain Hambrick. Yep. Captain Hambrick reminded me once again of the samurai <laughs> cop guy. Like, uh... Oh, yeah. This is the third, the, the second one of these. And then the, we have a third one later. But um, it, it is. It's, it's straight out of. Uh, Samurai Cop, or I don't know where it originated, but the Snake and Bacon was my uh, my sort of introduction think, to that stereotype. I think that uh, you can't underestimate Dirty Harry's influence on that. Huh. He, he's constantly being called on the carpet and just, you know, him standing there with hooded eyes as the chief is like, I can't believe the kind of crap I'm getting from upstairs. <laughs> Damn it, but, Callahan. And so I think a lot of it came from that. Ah, and that would have been soon closer to this uh, to this book coming out. But but Hambrick essentially, uh, well, it shouldn't sure take you long to start something, Cardigan. Only a second day off the ice, and already you. And then he interrupts. Come on, Captain Hambrick, which he's able to say with a straight <laughs> face. You know damn well I didn't have anything to do with what happened. What I know is that Gomez, 
who was dumb enough to trust you again is here in the emergency ward. And he describes this as the captain was tall and wide and his voice tended to rumble, which I said, <laughs> like, settle down here with the, with the weird poetic descriptions of his voice tending to rumble. God. Uh, damn it. I want a, a smoked pork shoulder in small brick-like sizes. That's why I'm called <laughs> Captain Hambrick. <laughs> it's so bad. Why? Why? Why the right. distraction of Hambrick? Right. If it was a if it was a Mike Myers movie, he just he would be uh, there getting berated by this angry guy, and he would continue to be like taking bites of uh, large, uh, you know, stage deli size uh, New York deli meat sandwiches as he's, uh, you know, increasingly larger ones as the captain's yelling at him. Uh, I just have a quick note here that uh, Goulart is, like I said, he's losing steam on these portmanteaus. Sky ambulance. <laughs> is, is one word. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that He's was one not that, like, even trying anymore. Like, but that's also one that's like the how you would say it out loud is a tricky one. Like sky ambulance, sky ambulance. Like it doesn't really roll off the tongue the way that some do when there's not two vowels next to each other. Yeah, it's true. It starts to get like um, you know medical terms where you're not. Where do I put the emphasis on this? Sky amb- right. Sky ambulance. Sky ambulance. Like, yeah. Yeah. When, when it's something you've just been reading your entire life and then you finally like hear a friend say it out loud and you're like, wait, is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. Or like, are you just saying that differently than I have been reading it eternal internally? Um, but a few sentences before that, though, I will point out sky car, which I just have the note. What the hell is a sky car? Is it at all like an air cab, a sky cruiser, air van, sky bus or sky ambulance? Oh, that wasn't one of the ones that got mentioned. No, this God. is new. Sky car is new. Wow. I just sort of glossed over being like, oh, co- that has to be <laughs> that has to be something we've been introduced to. I guarantee Man. there'll be a sky plaz coming up. <laughs> it's just an amorphous blob of construction yes. material that's that like, flies around. oh, yeah, yeah. That factory is don't don't buy their stuff. It's like it's really cheap uh, <laughs> on eBay, but like it just it's not worth it. Like just spend five dollars more. Right. But so they, they take him to the hospital and, and he's there with Hambrick and uh, a, a android doctor comes out and they go into a whole thing that he has to be identified that it's a an android type of thing. But he comes out and they're like, how is Gomez? He's like, well, he's conscious and our robot brain scanners are going over him. And I just thought, we'll just assume that the brain scanners are robots and not just, <laughs> right. you know, some confused, like, you know, guy named Clem in his 60s who's scanning the brain. Like, well, give us some credit here. Yeah, he there was a very confusing thing where he yelled at the the kids down the beach when he had first been injured. Like, go make sure that a meta sky cab thing. Like, <laughs> he just started throwing it. And they were all different words. Like, right. he was sure a sky ambulance would come soon. But then a, you know, a sky med alert. Got, it was... You know, you you yeah. got no sense of what was happening here. Is it going to be an actual person coming, an android, <laughs> yes. a machine, something flying? Just tell us what it is. Right. And then, like, you know, are those kids also going to turn out to be robots? Because we get some of that coming in, too, where the professor was a was all she had sent a robot dummy of herself to encounter this uh, robot kamikaze thing. So it's sort of like, you know, a Mission Impossible movie where for the rest of the, the movie, someone can just pull off a, a mask, it could be like, all oh, right, like they were just wearing a lifelike mask the whole time. They were a robot the whole time. So we've got that to worry about. I assume that that is going to be, uh, you know, whipped like a dead horse many times before yes. this book is over. Um, 
But so the uh, the android doctor shakes his handsome head and uh, says it will probably turn out to be no more than a concussion. Nodding at Jake and the captain, he went back into Gomez, which I thought was another sort of English, <laughs> English as a second language moment, potentially a very erotic one. I don't know. Um, a handsome head. Was it? Yeah. So it wasn't Chrome, I'm assuming. I mean, <laughs> that would have been notable, I guess. I guess that's a very strange one. I mean, it seems like you, the, some of these mechs have like, is that the offensive word? I don't, why am I even concerned about that? (laughs) Some of these people are like, I guess they're convincing enough that he needs a, a badge to identify himself as an Android in case you're someone who like is going in for a, you know, heart transplant, but it's like, I don't let dirty mechs operate on me. Right. uh, Yeah. Type of thing. But, uh, so (laughs) <laughs> they uh, they they sit down and, and resume their sort of angry conversation. Uh, J- Jake sat on the edge of one of the crimson plastiglass visitors' chairs, not a plaz chair. Then Hambrick sat grunting some in the next chair, which is delightful. And he explains this to him: "Hell, your tech running buddies can explain all that to you. That beggar Andy was what they call a kamikaze." Frowning, Jake said, "So that's what Gomez was trying to tell me." Hmm, something new to me. And then Ham- <laughs> Hambrick says, that's right. You, di- you guys don't get to see the vid news or read a fax paper up in the freezer. And so I was just puzzled by the, he was unable to grasp the concept of a, of a kamikaze robot. Yeah. Even the one that he had seen with his very yes. eyes, he was standing, if memory serves, 100 yards away, which I guess, <laughs> you know, is fairly far, but he saw it certainly. Right. The, the idea that he was unable to grasp what is what I assume a pretty well-known term uh, got me thinking that I, I, I wanted to see if we could gain any insight into this character by 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 delving into the audiobook. And it turns out that we can. Um, the the I, excerpt of this particular passage was very revealing. Um, I think it, it's going to add a lot to our knowledge of Jake's character uh, if we just take a listen to this passage of the audiobook. Oh, so you also you also have the audiobook and have been listening to it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, neat, neat. Well, I just, you know, you're putting yourself, like, your reputation, like, your fam- family name on the line by by delving into this bootleg world. You know, you're, this is essentially um, modern tech running, you getting all these um, bootleg books. So I, you know, I guess yeah, I went I appreciate behind you. Yeah, no, that's, you know what? That's fine. And I'm glad... Uh, I'm glad you made contact with my uh, my underworld sources. So uh, I had to install like Signal, like the yeah. secure texting app. Sure. Uh, so that was annoying, um, but you know that was what they insisted on. And um, well, it, it'll be if... it'll be worth it if we get some insight into uh, what exactly is going on and him misunderstanding uh, Kamikaze. So sure. I mean, I'm have... detecting a little bit of irritation in your voice. I mean, you know, that... I, hey, would have been well, heads up would have been nice. But <laughs> well, uh, it's you know, let's hey. Uh, while this runs, we'll just talk this out, okay? So why don't you at home listen to this, and I'm going to have a few words with my uh, with, <laughs> with my co-host here. All right, so uh, here we go. Here's the uh, the kamikaze scene from uh, the uh, the audiobook, which Connor got behind my back. <laughs> Hell, your tech running buddies can explain all that to you. That beggar Andy was what they call a kamikaze. So that's what Gomez was trying to tell me, huh? It, kamikaze. Yeah, something new to me. You're, hmm, you're not familiar with the term kamikaze? Well, guys like me don't get to see the vid news or read a fax paper up in the freezer. 
Yeah, sure, but it's not a new term. I mean, the word kamikaze dates back to World War II. <laughs> yeah, but I was in the freezer for so long, I, I figured it probably changed meanings. You know, like how we call chairs plaz chairs, or sometimes plastic chairs, or, or sometimes still just chairs. Well, well, just, just based on the context that the robot exploded itself to take out an enemy target, you'd have to assume that the meaning was close to like 98% of what it used to be. Hey, assuming things is what landed me in the freezer. Well, that and lots of tech smuggling. Smuggling? Kamikaze? It's like having to learn a whole new language out here. It's really not. You don't know what smuggling means? Uh, I know old privateers used to smuggle imported spices and jewels into ports while the customs agent was distracted. <laughs> so that, but with tech. Tech? The, the thing we're fighting the tech war over. Ah, right. Ah, forgive me. Been doing a lot of tech lately. Ugh. Look, never mind. Let's just go get a sandwich. I was asleep for four years. You're going to have to... Four years is not long enough for the meaning of the most popular food item on the planet to have changed. Yeah, but, you know, it was a 15-year sentence, so, uh... So why would the unserved time on your sentence affect your memory of definitions? I'm hearing words, but I'm not understanding them. Meats and vegetables and condiments Mm -hmm. contained between two slices of bread dating back to the mid-1700s when the Earl of Sandwich... Wait, wait, wait. In- wait, excuse me. Earl of what now? Oh, oh, oh I, I swear <laughs> to you. I'm just messing with you. Oh, here you go, a hot dog stand. Hey, uh, two sandwiches, please? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah. I think mm-hmm. we're, we're good, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we hashed it out. It's fine. I won't, I won't do that again. Um, I, I just it's understand that it's important to you. Yeah, um, thank you. I, I and appreciate, I appreciate that. My phone's doing the thing where it says like running out of room, install, uninstall some old apps. So I don't want signal to be on there anyway. Right. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, woo! that does give, uh, I appreciate that when they make these audiobooks, they expand and they widen the universe a little bit where it needs to be explained. So it's a lot of work that they're putting into it. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's sort of the good people at, at Audible know what the people uh, want to hear, and they are able to sort of tap into it. I mean, they've made so many audiobooks that they've, they've I'm sure, got all sorts of uh, user surveys and focus groups to sort of know when to drill down on those type of things. And as it happens, it just happens to be the, the things that we need, too. Yeah, exactly. It's funny how that works out. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I did not pull the scene where, related to this, so right after him misunderstanding or just not having any knowledge of what a kamikaze <laughs> might be, uh, he says, his reaction, Jake, is says, kiss of death, murmured Jake, <laughs> to which ham fist or whatever says, huh? <laughs> which he says, wait, wow, it just reminded me of an old underworld custom I'd heard about once. Right. The, the kiss of death is, first of all, it's it's from the Bibles. It's pre- fairly well known. The the mafia uses it because it's from that. Like when I kiss you, you're dead. Right. One of the most well known things. <laughs> and the the uh, crusty guy who's seen it all is like, huh? What? <laughs> yes. Right. What? So Jake mis- Jake is somehow able to relate this concept that he just learned about 
not to the kamikaze thing, the well-known, extremely <laughs> well-known World War II concept, but to an unrelated concept, but then he misremembers the origin of that concept. These guys are just talking past each other, man. It's, it's like, like a kamikaze. A... What? Well, like the kiss of death. Huh? <laughs> what? <are> you... <laughs> it's like knowing, knowing a classic song based on a rap song that sampled a remake of that song or something right. like that. Good Lord. That's incredible. But the, the, the handbrake was able to off the top of his head. Um, uh, this is like the time that I, I, I told a friend that was like in college, I was like, Oh, Hey, the rapper, big punisher died. And he's like, Oh, that sucks. He had six kids, um, off the top of his head. But Jake is like, <laughs> handbrake goes, we've had 27 kamikaze deaths in GLA so far. Across the whole country, the total is over around 264. Over in Japan, where things they really love the things, there have been 467 kamikaze murders to date. So he's very specific occasionally with these kamikaze statistics. Right. To Sometimes which, there's around 264. Right. Other times there's exactly 467 in Japan. But then the response uh, made me laugh too because Jake says, so after he cites all the statistics in Japan as well, he says, okay. I now know what it is. So, so only after getting like the very specific, I think I'm start. The concept is coming. It's starting to come into focus now that you've given me the exact deaths in every country. <laughs> right. And well, he was in the freezer for four years, Mike. So it's uh, that's true. That's true. Of- um, uh, I think it ends with uh, a favorite thing of mine in this book. A theme that continues. <laughs> Hambrick laughed without opening his mouth. Yep. No one in this book can laugh normally. <laughs> Neither robot nor human. What is happening? What? So I was tr- I was trying it, like so. I mean, I might as well do what I came up with. It's it's sort of like a it's like a ventriloquist almost. Yeah, let me hear it. <laughs> yeah, I would probably you start to laugh. And then it's a little choking because the air is, you know. <clears throat> it's like a, a car with a dead battery or something. I guess. Or like you you always talk about the way that uh, Wes Anderson movies, they make you, they don't make you laugh. They just sort of make you breathe out through your nose. Yes. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I guess that's what he was doing. This, this Hambrick is a tough customer anyway. He can't even open his mouth to laugh. <laughs> Uh, so I hope that Hambrick, um, Hambrick is the type of thing. Oh, one more thing though. This is another, uh, a piece of backstory. He's Hambrick. That noble bullshit doesn't impress me. You've always been a cold calculating son of a bitch. That's why, <laughs> that, that's why they all called you the Android. Like they did. What? Yeah. Is this being dropped for the first time? They call him the Android. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> Jonathan Cardigan, a.k.a. Jake, a.k.a. the Android, a.k.a. The, uh, Juanito. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's, you know, that's uh, maybe it was like type of nickname. He was just trying to get started like on softball or something. I Yeah, I guess so. It's like my uh, my nickname. Uh, you know, Mad Dog. I promised a story sure. on that, so someday I'll tell you the story of Mad Dog. <laughs> um, yeah, you've you've never heard that, but many, no. many, many people only know. They don't even know my name. They call me Mad Dog. I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's true. <laughs> someday I'll tell the story. Uh, 
Anyway, so just plot wise, I think we've sort of we've just back out a little bit. So uh, the woman that they were going to meet, it turns out to be a robot as well. Yes. So they That's send. Good. So there's some explanation about sometimes when people are afraid of something, they send their own robots in or something. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand that. Like how? So she knew she was in danger going to the biotech sandwich shop. So instead of just doing it, she sent in a like. Eh, right. I should probably just get a real doll of me made and send that <laughs> down there. Yeah. So do people have these? Like you know, sort of they they pull them out only on, under duress. Uh, extreme circumstances, like a like it's a it's a prep go bag almost type of thing, because that would be a very useful thing to have just in general. Well, like you would, uh, as soon as my wife said we're going to a couple shower, I'd right, you know, of yeah, course be exactly. whipping out my <laughs> doppelganger and sending. Yeah, it. it would be sort of like yeah, it's a it's a you a futuristic type of thing, like the like I said, the David Foster Wallace uh, people using their you know masks to do video calls. You just start sending this avatar out to do everything for you, like grocery shopping. Um, you know, going to the opera. But so I don't know when she had it ready to go because this meeting seems like it was sort of arranged quickly. So yeah. I don't think she just like went out and got a rush order of one of these made. Yeah, that was really underexplained. So uh, hopefully that will be that will be widened in the uh, the upcoming chapters. One of the other things I'm going to grant you, by the way, I think that uh, the mentioning of people being sick is obviously is oh, yeah. is a theme that I just I just missed. So yeah, I'm going to grant up, you that one. Yeah, in the next chapter. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I've been sort of skirting the plot just because I've been focused on the my minutia of the <laughs> yeah, of sentence parsing. But what, I forget what else happens here. They just they talk they talk more about the you need to go down um, to the to the find the professor. There's another operative missing. Um, they had some sort of this might also be the next guy, but they had some sort That's of... That's the next answer. guy, yeah. Okay. yeah. But he's, he's quite a character, yeah, in Chapter okay. 11. Well, let's move on to him. Chapter 11, I thought this was a fantastic detail. Um, Jake was sitting in a licorice-colored plastic glass chair, mm-hmm. and I just thought that was fantastic because somehow either one of the two dumbasses that wrote this, Shatner Goulart, picked like the one candy that famously has two very distinct colors uh, that it is available in, and only two. So it gives you absolutely no information if you were actually trying to picture a black licorice-colored plastic cha- plastic glass chair or a red licorice-colored plastic glass chair. Um, or the me- many kinds of, I believe, don't the, the Dutch like that uh, that salted yeah. licorice that comes in, I believe... Multicolors, so there's sure. even more than that if you really want and to drill down. My grandmother, I think, had the Danish like all sorts that had like the uh, the, the jar of them that was always like they hardened into one giant thing. Where that has like the, the pink ones with the black on the inside. Some oh of them man, have that like, is a baffling candy where it's like a <laughs> tube of cut up terrible licorice so, with a sugar like coating, marshmallowish. Yeah, and yeah. then there's like ones that have like sprinkles on them. So yeah, that was her go-to. I think it was probably just she knew we wouldn't eat those, so she kept them around. She was just trying to uh, shake off the Halloween people. Just throw a handful of those in the bag, and nobody's coming <laughs> back next year. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe that was the color of it. It was a pink plastic glass chair with <laughs> right. black licorice uh, plaz <laughs> on the inside of it, um, uh, and a baffling interchange with the receptionist. Were you as puzzled by this? I mean, it comes clear soon, but it's it spends a lot of dialogue on this dumb joke. Yeah, a lot of people wrote in about this one, too. The beautiful silver-skinned and platinum-haired receptionist said, I'm not an android. 
I'll keep that in mind. And then they have a long conversation about, like, yeah, I've been going through a lot of changes, dressing up like an android. That's cool. Yeah, anyway, what I'm doing it for, it's just like, yeah. what is this gag? I don't get this gag. Yeah, it's sort of like, you know, she's leading with this thing, like, you know, wanting you to bring it up or something. Like if you, you know, if I just like walked in wearing a shirt that said Harvard graduate, I'd be like, oh, yeah, uh, new shirt. And you'd be like, "Uh uh-huh. (laughs) Well, I've been uh, attending classes, so I. uh, Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Figured I would probably could use a computer science degree to fall back on. So I enrolled at Harvard. Uh, I take my earplug out of my right ear. I'm sorry. What's that? <laughs> yeah, well, you, were you just talk? Anyway, I'm gonna... I've been going to Harvard. I've been I've been attending classes at Harvard. Ah, I've uh-huh. graduated. I'm going to so get back to my book. Thank you. Degree from Harvard. Yeah. yeah. Have a good day. Yes, <laughs> um, yes it's a, baff- yeah, a baffling it interchange. And yeah, so she's immediately regretting getting this Android look. Um and so she's trying to just save enough money to get it undone, but she already is still paying off the current look. I don't know. There's, she said that like the Roombas are coming in and trying to buff her. So I guess it's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be funny. And then she has a, a comedy name. Do you remember? Marnie. Marnie. <laughs> yeah. Um, my favorite Marnie line was uh, another English is a second language one. She's asking about Gomez. Uh, how is he? I just heard about his getting himself hurt. <laughs> oh, Marnie. At this point, I don't I mean, maybe the uh, silver dye is doing like the Goldfinger thing. They didn't leave the, the patch on the back for her skin to breathe. So it's cutting off the supply of oxygen to her brain or something. Yeah, it's uh, the Tin Man makeup all over again. He's in the hospital <laughs> after the scene. To... <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's at uh, she's the, the secretary for Bascom, who... This you know, is a character I I have to go and see the series now. I pray, I pray that Bascom is a major part of this. <laughs> right. He's sort of a throw everything at the wall and sees what sticks. But the introduction we get to him, it has been a long drought. You'll notice we haven't mentioned it at all uh, ever since Winger departed. But there's been a, a severe lack of paperwork in these few chapters. But mm-hmm. my friends, that's about to end because upon entering <laughs> Bascom's office, there were piles of fax copies, files, memos of many colors, printout sheets, summonses, and assorted paper ephemera surrounding him on the clear desktop. So I'm just imagining him doing sort of like when the children all enter Willy Wonka's factory for the first time. They're just gazing in awe at the sheer uh, piles of paperwork that surround him. Childlike wonder. Yes. And the man himself, Bascom, was a small, compact man. Some might say those are synonymous in some way some <laughs> might argue with me small compact man of 55 sun brown one word and clad in an expensive and considerably rumpled suit he was seated on top of a lucite desk in the middle of the office cross-legged noodling on a wheezy alto saxophone mm-hmm. who in he's... the name of god is he trying to get across <laughs> yeah i don't know what he's doing here i mean i guess he's a bit quirky Yes, um, he's a character, sure. Like there's, you know, he's finding, he's finding Paisley panties underneath paperwork in his office. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that he has the, he's learning bebop songs, but the, the, the saxophone doesn't really come up again, but I guess we're just supposed to, I don't know what we're supposed to do. I don't know what our takeaway is supposed to be here. I don't either. I think he's trying to go for, 
you know, this is whack. This is a quirky person of the future. We all know some, uh, you know, weirdo who's, but he's a genius or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, in order to describe him, he, like you said, he's throwing a bucket of stuff at. He's sun brown, and he, <laughs> and he likes bebop, and he sits on his desk. And yeah, I just don't get like, is he a little elf or what? What is, what is <laughs> yeah. this guy? But uh, but then he, the way that he interacts with them, I sort of like. I thought it was an angry chief style thing because he sort of does the like. He says, like, you've been described as insubordinate, sarcastic, yeah. irreverent, cynical, unpatriotic, disrespectful, and then does the immediate, hey, 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 I trust Gomez, and he says you're okay. <laughs> yeah. You haven't allowed me to he, – then he, he does another rant like that, and, and, and uh, Cardigan tries to interrupt, and Baskin holds up one hand. Hold off, Cardigan. You haven't allowed me to get to the part where I inform you that I actually, <laughs> within reason, like fellows like you who are insubordinate, sarcastic, et cetera. Oh yeah, it reminded me. I've told you this many times. The uh, McLeod character. Do you know this? He was a, uh, he was a '70s um, cowboy who goes to the big city and brings his cowboy ways with him. And pretty much every <laughs> episode ended with the the angry chief. He was a good angry chief. I forget who the actor was, but he always just in a state of high dudgeon. It would always end with. I just talked to the guy upstairs. You know, you wrecked seven police cars. You smashed your horse through a window at uh, Nordstrom's. Uh, blah 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 blah. Good job, McLeod. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is what he's going for here. Right, it has to be. I mean, that's where the, that's where I got the snake and bacon thing from. Like, you blew up half the harbor. I ought to throw you off the force, but instead, I'm giving you both promotions. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. The samurai cop guy again. Remember, he talks about. How he, they give him such a pain that he feels like he has a stick up his butt, and it, you yeah. know. And then when he swears at them really roughly, and when they leave yeah. the office, then he goes, "Oh man, I, yeah, love, I love those guys." Throws his head back and laughs. Um, but uh, so I don't have too much more about this, but he he gives them the uh, the hollow tape uh, sort of vision of the Kitteridges and uh, a more another missing guy named. Uh, Bennett Sands, but once again, uh, it's just time to fully like horn down on Beth Kitteridge. Oh man, this is so good. <laughs> Do you have the? I have the sentence here. Uh, no, I don't have it. He says something about how. Um, so you find obviously you find her attractive. He like, like leaps out of his chair and says he has a tightness in his chest. Who? Wait, who says that? I think that uh, that that Cardigan says that. I mean, he doesn't say it, but he's like with you know a tightness in his chest as he leapt out of his chair or something. Oh, okay. So here's the actual. He circled the platform. The platform is like the the little staging area for this hologram. According to our sources, she still wears her hair like this long down to her shoulders. A pretty young woman, if you like them on the slender side. <laughs> you obviously find her attractive. To which he says, "Do I?" And here's the sentence. Well, Cardigan, when a fellow jumps up, clicks his heels together, and lets his tongue unfurl a foot or two. (laughs) So he's a cartoon wolf. Yeah, he's literally a cartoon wolf. He's (laughs) hitting himself on the head with a mallet. (laughs) There's the auga horn is going (laughs) off. So, yeah, that's... But, you know... I, I, he doesn't really give any indication to that, but we've since we have been uh, perving on her before. I guess that's uh, that's what we're led to believe is that she 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 evokes that kind of reaction. But she's slender, so I, <laughs> right? I just don't get why that gets added in there. Like, are slender people unattractive in the future? What I I don't know. I mean, it seems like it, it is insinuating here that there's some sort of disease that her father is wasting away of. I think. Um, 
but her slenderness does not appear tied to that. It seems like a she's by all accounts a an attractive person. Yeah, and so just plot wise, I don't have a lot of notes either here. I have some good uh, dumb sentences from this. Okay. But I don't want to burn those. But uh, uh, supposedly, Doctor Kitteridge has been doing research on an anti tech device. Said Bascom. Details on its exact nature are fuzzy. There's that word again, <laughs> fuzzy like the sky. And one other thing was fuzzy. Uh, but so he, it's just basically a really long scene of the him sending him down into Mexico at the site of a crash where these three people are presumed dead, right? And that's that's about it. I, there's nothing much happens here. They're sort of trying to recover, yeah, the, the device that will nullify the effectiveness of tech, which the drug dealers, tech runners, obviously don't want to happen. Um, so that's the plot. The one, the one last thing that I pulled was they're talking about Bennett Sands, another guy who's off screen and um, who knows if we'll ever see again. But Jake says, my wife, well, my former wife, worked for Sands for a while as a sort of private secretary and girl Friday. <laughs> yes. I'm glad that so I was, phrase still yeah. lasts into the future. Yeah, he, he didn't know what kamikaze meant, but he understood the, uh, he, he's routinely tossing out references to the uh, 1940 movie, um, His Girl Friday, My Girl Friday. Yeah. It's uh, uh, Boy Friday is from, um, is it Robinson Crusoe? Where he gets a guy oh, yeah. and he calls him Friday. So it's it's even way older. Wow. Than that. Good <laughs> uh, lord. Uh yeah, but he uh so yeah, he's drawing uh Kilroy pictures on the Kilroy <laughs> was here, but he doesn't get kamikaze. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just exactly. a weird gap in my knowledge of I don't know, it's it's doesn't correspond to when I was up in the uh, freezer either. It's just <laughs> Oh, like that Sticks album. The what the what now? <laughs> um uh, here's Did another. They have an here? I don't... Here's another good example of the exposition in the dialogue instead of. So he says, uh, Bascom says, like though I'd certainly include Sonny Hakori. Hak- I assume Jake mm-hmm. stood. Hakori, what's a small time tech dealer got to do with <laughs> Kitteridge? <laughs> so right. once again, the guy we both know, both know everything about him. That's why I'm telling you that he's there. Yeah, you have to get up and re-describe him. It's the, it's the early '80s, and I'm I'm a CIA guy. I'm like Mike. This is, well, this assignment's going to be dangerous. It uh, it involves Pablo Escobar. Pablo what? Escobar? <laughs> Why? What's a the I biggest don't... drug dealer in all of Colombia? Like, <laughs> oh yeah. So that's uh, that's it. Except that it does end with a uh, with another cliffhanger in chapter eleven. Remember? Boy, he I gets don't... into uh, he gets into a cab. Oh, yeah. And he says, take me, you know, I want to go here. He gives us the condo address. The cab shuddered once, then rose into the gathering twilight. But instead of heading inland for the Pasadena sector, it turned southward and down the coast. You're flying the wrong direction, warned Jake. That's only your opinion. <laughs> so the the cab taking a wrong turn and bilking him out of another $5 is the right. uh, cliffhanger for <laughs> That's what it's going to turn out The next to be. chapter is like, he immediately turned around. You know, Jake said, reset the meter. He did. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I can't do it, but listen, like, you don't have to tip me. Right. Like, resetting the meter, it's a whole thing. Like, but. I'm just, sorry. It's just, it's easier to take a left out of this area. The Plasta driveway is, is really congested. I got hit here right. once, okay? Yeah. Listen, like, I've got a nav, like, and it's showing that there's a big slowdown on the five. So, like, I mean, I know this seems sketchy, but, like, listen, just don't, don't rate me under five stars. Yeah, I'm going to cut just like, under the, I, I go under the freeway. It's a little place that you go behind the, uh, you know, the Cold Stone Creamery. You know where that is? Right. And then I, then I go north. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. 
But yeah, I guess it's supposed to be like a Philip Marlowe thing where he's, you know, he's just going to routinely get knocked on the head and, you know, hop into cars with the guys who are right. taking him to see other people that are have other assignments for him or something like that. But, and boy. Yeah. Well, there we go. We are yep. through chapter 11. Yeah, that was good. Uh, but I think we uh, ought to go to uh, some dumb sentences. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence ends with a period or an exclamation or a question mark. A sentence always ends with a period. Should we just listen to the whole <laughs> thing? Or an exclamation yeah. or oh, a God, question that mark. What we're doing? No. <laughs> no, we're not going to. I guess I, I think I ever have. I guess I'm curious where it goes. Oh, There's I a... do have. I do have, think I have the full song. There's another minute and forty three. We won't subject people to that. This is verse is just the uh, reading from the Protocols of Elders of Zion. So oh, that's dear. a weird direction. Yeah, took uh, a turn. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, this is the dumb sentence of the week, and uh, we got a sponsor for it this week. Actually, um, wait, we we're, spon- sp- we're sponsored. Well, I mean, technically, so I just forgot to mention this earlier, but Dumb Sentence of the Week is sponsored by our generous Patreon supporters. Um, the Patreon is at uh, patreon.com slash 372 pages. And uh, we have a bunch of people there that are uh, generously kicking in uh, just a few bucks every month, and they get access to uh, early episodes of all this. They hear it before everyone else, and they have gotten at least one weird bonus thing. And uh, this, we got our first payment from them, and we were able to... Uh, Give a, a percentage of it to the uh, eight two six national nonprofit that we have been. Uh, we're giving the proceeds from our auctioned Klein books to, um, and so that was a really cool thing to be able to support. the uh, The executive director actually reached out to me the other day and said that she appreciates it every time we are able to support them, and she had just watched our Ready Player One riff and really enjoyed it. So, um, oh, that's cool. That almost makes us like we're real or something. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Almost. Right. So I think it's a it's a cool thing for these uh, these terrible books to be able to support. 826 uh, helps uh, like kids in underprivileged areas uh, do creative writing programs and um, sort of maybe by reading these bad books, we're in some good way able to help support some kids writing good books in the future. Uh, so that's a cool uh, additional feature of the Patreon. And uh, I set up a, a little team page for our listeners um, if you go to our Twitter page, it's uh, the pinned tweet, and you can do a, a link to that if you want to chip in any money towards them. I sort of set up one to see how much our listeners can raise, and uh, our Patreon donation got it uh, halfway to the $500 goal. But uh, if we can get there by, like, uh, Giving Tuesday, that's the day after Thanksgiving, that would be really cool. So go to uh, twitter.com slash 372 pages and uh, chip in some money to help uh, – Kids learn to read and write. It'd be really fun. Yeah, we want those kids out there to uh, avoid the life of a Sonny Hakori and become uh, Ron Goulart. <laughs> yes, that's the uh, that's the end game here. That'll yes. be the, uh, if we ever get asked to speak at their annual fundraiser, that'll be our message. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so in our Patreon is patreon.com slash 372 pages, and it's really uh, uh, inspiring to see people uh, supporting it there too. So thanks again to all those people. Yeah, thanks indeed. And uh, some of them uh, wrote in their uh, their dumb sentences of the week. So let's 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 read some of those. Um, here is David. Most of this stuff is probably out of style by now, he said to himself as the door opened to display his four year old and more wardrobe. 
so. And so that's he just he he writes in and says this book has an extremely weird conceit that four years makes him some kind of Rip Van Winkle who can barely recognize or function in the world to which he has returned, which is a very good point. And that sentence is especially dumb because uh, one, two, three, four. He inserts four hyphens into four year old and more. Uh, oh, so. he tries to turn that into a word. Yeah, so that's very <laughs> nice. Uh, Justin wrote in and submitted uh, from chapter 11. I think this is probably him leaving Bascom. Jake shook hands and left the office. Was was anyone else involved? He asks. Uh, Jake shook hands alone. Like it's another uh, ESL type of thing. Oh, wow. I didn't even notice that one. I didn't notice that one either. Yeah. Uh, this is a, another one. Oh, crap. I don't have the name of the person who submitted this one. I apologize for that. Um, but he wrote in a, a, a long email um, that his sentence was two days before we were going to chat, a mall sniper down in the Apple Valley sector did him in along with four shoppers and a show dog. Uh, and he so he says, you know, if we're to believe that the sniper was gunning for Jessup, he's got no right even calling himself a sniper. If he racks up four shoppers and a show dog as collateral damage, unless and this isn't really implied, mall snipers are just a thing. And Goulart was being remarkably prescient about the world of the future. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Maybe he was also at the same time trying to peel one of those square green oranges and his shots <laughs> were just going all over the place. Just yeah. focus, mall sniper. Focus. Yeah. Um, so the uh, let's see the uh, my first nomination. This was uh, from the very first chapter. Uh, and it was just Gomez was studying his booted feet. Oh, wow. So that's uh, just a, you know, <laughs> Gomez is looking at Jake's boots and that's the way he, he opts to, to phrase that one. Uh, but my, I think that uh, maybe that's my winner, but my other nomination was, uh, then slowing Gomez said, that looks like Dr. Dannenberg herself up yonder trying to enter the sandwich shop. Who's that lout blocking her way? And so after the person wrote in and said that he imagines him as essentially Bertie Wooster who occasionally lapses into Spanish, that makes a bit more sense. But yeah, that looks like Dr. Dannenberg herself up yonder. Yeah, it's a weird mix of stuff. I can't picture Wooster saying that, but yeah. Look, old bean, there's the doctor up ahead. <laughs> right. That's uh, What's up. yours? Uh, mine is, it, there's not a lot of fireworks to it, but it made me laugh out loud uh, because it's just, you just don't hear sentences put together this way. Uh, this is from chapter 11. You're not paying attention. Calm down and listen, advised the compact detective. <laughs> it's just such a weird way. Advised yeah. the, the compact. compact detective. <laughs> it certainly uh, is a style. I don't know what the style is, but uh, it's, it's it's bizarre. Man, yeah, that was good. Um, thank you for uh, sending those in, everybody. That's uh, People have done great jobs of... Sending in the uh, dumb sentences of the week and the fan fiction. That one of the uh, mall sniper that was by Will. So thank you for sending that in, Will. I just looked at it in the meantime. And I uh, I know this has gone long. We do have two emails that I want to read. So can we do that? We can indeed. We have music for it and everything. We go to the party. We go to the game. We go to the dinner. Ain't gonna cruise out, man. Stealing people's mail. Stealing people's mail. Stealing people's mail. All right, let's steal their mail. What do you got? All right, Aaron wrote in. Well, so this was this was a deep shame of mine. In the last episode, we were talking about the the weird uncertainty people have, sort of correcting sentences midway through them in this book, and I compared it to uh, Buster Rhymes' verse on Tribe Called Quest scenario, mm, mm-hmm. and that 
that lyric. And as I was saying it, I was almost like, is this the right thing? And it's not. It's from oh. the uh, it's from the UGK's Underground Kings. I think I don't even know why I went there. I'm not sure that's what that stands for. It's U- UGK's verse on Jay-Z's Big Pimpin' is uh, scenario. Oops, my bad. That's my scenario is where they say self-correct that. So um, for shame. I know Connor, it was bad. Connor, it was bad. Please. But uh, Aaron wrote in and uh, was talking about the same thing. Not my um, he might have corrected me, too. But uh, I do have one item for consideration. At, at one point, you noted how Jack forgot the age of his son, 11, no, wait, 15. And you poked fun at Shatner Goulart for correcting their own text in a book. However, self-correction, a figure of speech called epanorthosis has a long and rich literary tradition from Hamlet correcting himself on how long his mother waited to remarry, that it should come to this, but two months dead, nay, not so much, not two, to the book of Proverbs. There are three things that are never satisfied, four that never say enough. So he says that uh, essentially uh, Goulart and uh, Shatner are in the uh, same vaunted tradition as Shakespeare in the Bible. Well, those are strong words. I'm going to leave them sit. I'm not going to comment on them. Those are your words. Yeah, <laughs> Shatner, the Bible, Shakespeare. Um, and this uh, other email was from Eric. Uh, it wasn't. It wouldn't. Wasn't going to fool you in the fanfic section, so I didn't read it there. But it, uh, you'll see why. Uh, I'm just going to read it. What's in Cleveland? Gomez asked, hands on his hips. He looked unsure about their next destination. I, Jake, holstered my needle gun. If you're a tech junkie, Cleveland is a paradise. It's got unrestricted flow of goods and services, state-of-the-art immersion <laughs> rigs, fiber optic connections that are virtually lag-free and have direct server access right to the Oasis, even full shaptic boot suits with discreet openings. Crun- Gomez scrunched up his face and scrunched his face up in confusion. Amigo, I think you're in the wrong book. I brought a hand up to my temples and sighed. And flink sink. Jake disappeared and I Wade was once again alone. This is one of Halliday's favorite books turned TV movies. The World of Tech War, classic 89 book by William Shatner, actually written by ghostwriter Ron Goulart, turned classic 1994 movie, dissolved away, leaving only the view of my command center on my personal asteroid, Falco, named after the Austrian rap star. I wasn't a huge Falco fan or anything. I just thought it sounded like a cool name. <laughs> That's very well That's done. A, a very nice worlds colliding <laughs> type of moment. Um, oh, sl- slash fic? Is that qualify? Not really, right? You have to have the characters doing things. Yeah, I don't think they're since nobody is is getting it on. I think that wouldn't qualify. But it's like a mashup. Uh, mashup. Thing. It's sort of like that Scrooge, Scrooge and uh, I of Argon one we read. Right. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's it. I think uh, we have a assignment for the next time. I don't think we're going to do one Thanksgiving week because you know it's Thanksgiving week. But I think if we read uh, through chapter fifteen, that'll be a good assignment for next time. And please. All of you, take note where everyone's hands are as you're reading <laughs> reading the stuff. Otherwise, you won't understand it. Your hands might be like patting your head to check if your hair is moving. Right, right. Uh, I also wanted to ask, because I, I just mused this to Connor, so I'll just throw it out there to listeners. How many of you aren't reading the book as you listen to this? <laughs> I don't know how we figure out those numbers, but maybe we'll put right. some sort of poll out there. Sure, uh, yeah, it's an interesting question. Because I know at least one listener out there who <laughs> has listens to everything and has not read a word of it. So I'm just curious <laughs> as to how many people are doing that. Right. But, uh, and will will Mike's book arrive by the next time we record one of these? That's, that's the, the real cliffhanger. The yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, uh, so we're off for a little bit, but we'll be back soon. This is uh, 372 pages we'll never get back. I'm Michael J. Nelson. I'm Connor Lestoga with my hands firmly resting on my desk 
and my mouse, not really a mouse, it's a trackball. I had wrist pain for a while, like when I first started working at a job out of college. So I was like, oh, I think it might be for moving Would my mouse. Would you sit down in your <laughs> class chair, please? All right, we'll see you next time.